morning. Um, I'm, this summer, I'm going to be going to Costa Rica on a mission trip with Word of Life. And we'll be doing like open-air evangelism, going to schools, and working at a children's camp. Uh, if you would like to donate to that, you, uh, you can see me after the service, and I can give you one of these slips. Uh, you can send this in with your donation, or there's a website right here where you can donate online. Uh, some big things you can be praying for are that all of the people that are going, that they would reach the funds that they need, and safety as we travel, and also that God would be glorified with all that we do down there. Uh, if you have any questions or you'd like to have a slip, you can see me after the service. And I can't sit, I can't wait to see what God is going to do while we're down there. Thank you. Amen. You know, isn't that uh, nice that uh, not only does the Lord move through this church um, to support our missionaries throughout the world, but we're sending some of our own, you know, the bakers. And Michaela has gone on several trips, people that have gone down to the shippers. Um, so that's just exciting to see that the Lord working in the younger generation. When I just ran in there to help set up tables, they were already done. And, and half of them were our epic teens in there doing it. So it's just nice to see that uh, our younger generation stepping up to the plate and, uh, and uh, helping out in all of these different things. Well, uh, today's speaker is Rod Whitney. And uh, we've been praying for the Whitneys for years. And this winter and fall, they actually have a really good problem to have. They've had 28 new clubs come on with 10 more potential clubs. So you talk about an answer to prayer of the word spreading out through uh, throughout western New York. So he is a, they are a very, very busy couple uh, traveling all around, and that presents some unique uh, challenges, but it also presents unique opportunities. And uh, going to come and share with us today what those are. So, Rod? Well, it is a such a joy to be with you. Uh, I don't know if it was the very last time that we got snowed out and couldn't get to you, and that was a really big disappointment for me, because uh, I've said before, coming here to Alfred Allman is sort of like therapy for me. If I, if I could just do this enough times, I'd be all set for life. Uh, you guys are, are just such a blessing. Uh, this morning, uh, the words and the music that you picked out are, were just amazing. It's almost like a service in, all in itself. Uh, it so prepares your heart for uh, talking with God and meeting with God. Uh, amazing, amazing testimony and song. Thank you so much, music team. Uh, I could come back every week and just get pumped up in this music service. Uh, it is so good. Well, it's good to be with you, Mike. I'm so sorry to hear of your dad. Um, That was probably one of the most difficult times when my dad passed away and then my mom passed away later. Uh, Probably one of the the hardest weeks of my life because I thought so much of my parents, uh, invested so much in me, and it was really hard to to part with them. I know I will see them again. But it's still a very hard time. We had just heard this week, just a couple days ago, and been praying for you. Uh, So I definitely want you to know that we love you. 
As I thought about the number of the songs we talked about just running to the arms of Jesus, that's what I had to do um, during that time in my life. Um, so very, very much care about that. Well, we have been asked to come and give a report because this is a Mission Sunday, and I kind of had fun putting this together uh, for you. Usually I spend about 10 minutes, give a report, and then jump right into a message. But I know it's also important uh, for a supporting church to, to give a sizable report. So I kind of reversed the roles this morning. I'm going to spend more time reporting to you what's been going on in our lives and in our ministry. And then I'll spend a few minutes wrapping it up with a message if I can do that this time. Um, I know I'd rather prepare a message, uh, but um, I think a report is really important. And um, so as we go through this today for you, I would like to start out, though, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and just share a few verses as, as we'll introduce this message and report. And uh, just before we do, I would like to just ask God to speak to our hearts this morning. Father God, thank you so much for the powerful message that we've already heard this morning, the Songs that we have sung, we mean from our heart, and they've been words that have just greatly encouraged us as they have reminded us of the greatness of you, God. We are so thankful to know Christ as our Savior, and our, our greatest desire would that, that be that the whole world would know Jesus, that they would have the joy that we have that passes all understanding. Father, there's no way to describe the Christian life except but to live it. And there's so many that just do not know what that's like. And so our heart goes out to all those who do not know Jesus personally, how important that is. I pray that our lives would show Christ, our words would show Christ. Father, I pray that you would this morning give us a tender heart, speak to our hearts, through the music, through the report, through the message, that you would do a work that no man could do. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. A number of years ago, I remember, it's interesting because our ministry deals with local churches. We're very connected to local churches. Um, pastors, for the most part, most pastors are my best friends, um, I love what pastors do. I love the ministry. I know it's a very hard work. It's a difficult work. But I, I love the ministry. And I remember when I was just young, probably 12, maybe four, maybe up to 14, I'm not sure. I remember talking to my pastor one day outside our church. And we, there was a lot of us that were students in the high school right across from the church. There, were, there was a fair number of us, actually. And I, I remember some things going on at the time, and a lot of kids were choosing other things over the local church, and I was so convicted about that, that even at a very young age, I, I just remember standing and talking to my pastor outside our church, and I knew he needed a little encouragement. There were just things going on that he was, you know, taking the brunt of, and I remember saying, Pastor, I, I just got to tell you, I, God has really placed the, the local church on my heart. And I remember, I was probably 14. And I said, I, I'm just going to tell you a commitment that I've made to the Lord is that I'm going to put the church first. 
And I said, I don't, I can't help what everyone else is doing. I said, I just believe that the local church is your, it's your program. And, and dear God, it, it is yours. And so for us not to get plugged in really isn't a very smart thing, is it? And I remember telling our pastor, I'd come to that conviction. And I said, pastor, I'm going to put the church first. If things come up at school, and I mean, I know I, I play some sports and different things. I said, but, but the, and I don't care if I'm the last one to do that. I'll turn out the lights, but I'm, I'm going to support the local church. So, Pastor, I'm 100% behind you. And I, I love what you do because you're the pastor God has called here. And I, I, I remember thinking about on my end what it felt like to tell him. And I just felt so good about that, that, Pastor, I, I love what you do because you're really part of God's program. But I can't imagine how he must have felt. I mean, I, had, I have to believe, looking back now, he's with the Lord now, but I think that must have been really encouraging to him. For, and I'm not talking about an adult or a deacon or an elder. I'm talking about a teen coming to you and saying, I'm going to put the church first. I think that probably, probably made his day and got him through a few more miles. Because <laughs> I think about this and, and Paul's words to Timothy and how, how important Timothy became to Paul. Paul in chapter 4, verse 1, I'm just going to share a little bit and then jump into our report. But he, he says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, this is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, In the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and talking about some of the foolish regulations that religious leaders had put on people and, and false teachers had put on people. And because he says in verse 4, For every creature of God is good and nothing to be received if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified or set apart by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. That's one of the things that I love about pastors. They get up and they, they remind us over and over and over again what we ought to be thinking about and what we ought to be doing. Because as Christians or, or as humans, we so often forget. I can hear a really good message and God can really work me over. And a week later, I've almost forgotten it. And so what a good minister does is just gets up. In fact, that's why we sing such wonderful songs. Oh, because you know what? When that little voice is speaking in our ear to do this or do that or don't do this, the music and the message just keeps reminding us of who we are and what we ought to be about. And he says, if, in fact, I've had teens come to me and say, our pastor talks about the same, time, same thing all the time. I'm like, good, he's doing his job. And they look at me like, what are you talking about? That's what a minister does. He reminds us of what we should be doing. In verse 7, he says, But refuse profane and old wise fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And we know why, because bodily exercise profits for a little while, but godliness is profitable unto all things. He said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust we trust, we trust in the living God. When everything else fails, we keep trusting in the living God and what he has said, what he's recorded for us. And then he says to Timothy, and you've you got to remember, Paul is grooming Timothy to be his protege. Someday, Timothy would stand 
in the shoes of Paul to do some of the incredible things that Paul was, was showing him and training him to do. And he says, these things command and teach. I mean, I think Paul probably had to be pretty firm with, with his, uh, those he was discipling that you need to command these things and teach. I think if I were Timothy, I might have said, well, yeah, but Paul, you're Paul, you know. When Paul comes in town and says, this is what you ought to do, I, I think people listened. You know, it was like E.F. Hutton, you know. It's like, but you're Paul. And uh, of course they're going to believe you. I mean, you've been shipwrecked and you've been, look at all the things that have happened to you. You've been stoned and, and lived again, you know. And it's like, I'm Timothy. And... Paul, um, perhaps reading into that, I don't know, he says, listen, let no man despise thy youth. You're younger, and some, there, there's, there's something to be said for that. I, I could like to be a little younger again. This, this has been the busiest year of our life. I, I said to somebody on staff just last staff conference, why couldn't I have had this much to do when I was 30? I feel like God is, is you. We've been with Word of Life now 30 years. I feel like those 30 years have been to prepare us for this year. Can you believe that? I mean, I'll share, I'll get into our report, but I feel like the last, I feel like we just started. This is like the busiest, the best year of our life. The first 30 years has just kind of prepared us for this one year. And it's like, so Paul says to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. It's like Paul saying this, Timothy, it doesn't matter. Don't think twice about how you're disadvantaged. Now, I, I can understand Timothy probably feeling this way. I mean, I want to have this conversation with Paul and Timothy someday because Timothy was somewhat timid. And Paul is training him, he's grooming him. And I, I could just picture the conversation, something like this. Well, Paul, you're Paul, of course they listen to you. But they keep talking about me. I'm young, and nobody expects a young person to live right, to have sense, to, you know what I mean? It's like you always hear, well, they're, they're really struggling, but they're teenagers. You, know, you, know, you almost expect that. And Paul say, no. It doesn't work that way. Don't, don't, let, don't let anybody look down upon your age. In fact, he says, let no man despise the youth, but be thou an example of the believers. I could hear Timothy saying, yeah, but they talk about me. I come into a crowd and I hear them. Oh, that's Timothy. He this, he that. And I, I could just hear Timothy saying, I, you know, this is what they're doing. And Paul tells him, doesn't matter. He says, you can stop that. If I were Timothy, I would say, well, how do I stop other people from talking about me, Paul? It's easy. Take away every bad thing they can say. Be an example, a role model, a pattern of, of good things. Don't let them have anything to say about you. You know the best way to stop people from talking about you? Don't do anything dumb in front of them. <laughs> just, just act, you know, oh, I, should say, I was going to say act your age, but... Just grow up, <laughs> you know. If you are young, just, just take away anything bad they can say. Be thou an example. And, and look, look at the different things he lists. Now, this is a challenge in word. In conversation. Now, that's manner of life, the way you live. In the words you speak, 
in the way you live. Take any evil thing away. In charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Okay, that's, that's putting the bar way up here, isn't it? In other words, in every way, make sure your life is a life of integrity. Because when your life is a life of integrity and they have no evil thing to say about you, you can stop them from saying the things they're saying. And after a while, when people say, notice so-and-so, man, he just does everything right. And he just says everything right. And we can't even criticize him. So don't let anybody look down upon your youth. Just be a person beyond your years and wisdom. Just, Just become that amazing person who loves God and does everything right. And they will have no evil thing to say about you. So let no man despise a youth, but be thou an example of believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity. In fact, whichever one of those things you mess up in, that's what they'll talk about. And they'll use it against you. Maybe you, maybe you do everything right, but the purity just isn't there. There's a blemish. There, there's a real big crack in your character. And you think, oh, nobody's even going to know this. It's private. It's this. It's that. But you know what? They do. They do know. I remember one of my colleagues, uh, I spent a little time with him, and I knew something wasn't right. He didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to do anything. I just knew something wasn't right. I I just sensed that. you got to understand, God puts the Spirit of God in me, and if you're a believer, he puts the Spirit of God in you, does he not? The same Spirit of God. Do you think the Spirit of God isn't going to know something's not right in your life? It's the same Spirit. And I said to him, I said, Brother, I said, what's wrong? He said, what are you talking about? I said, I don't know, but you do. I said, there's something not right. And he finally said, you're right. He said, how did you know? I said, I didn't. But the spirit of God is in me, and and he's troubling my spirit, because I'm with you. So I said, I know it's not me, so it must be you. (laughs) And he just looked at me and shook his head. And I said, I don't know how, you know, our wives are like that. They, they just seem to know when something's wrong, don't they? And you want, sometimes you wonder how, duh, the same spirit of God is in them that's in you. If he's not in one of you, you better get that taken care of. God has just been doing some absolutely amazing things in our life this year. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for praying for us. Uh, it's, it's been an absolutely amazing year. If I get a little discouraged or overwhelmed, I'll tell you the two secrets. You'll laugh at the one. Um, I, I can see him over there just behind. I'll, I'll, I usually run to God, first of all, to say, God, I need your help. Then the second thing I do is I go look on Facebook to see Brian Scheffler's latest post. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where you find those things 
if you're creating them or you're just passing them on for us, but they really help me. They're wonderful. I just look at those things and the joy comes back. And after I get done laughing and maybe show them to my wife, uh, I'm, all, I'm all better. So, Brian, you keep doing that. You have a ministry. I don't know what we call that exactly. I'm sure encouragement is, has got to be the one, but thank you so much. God is doing so amazing things. In fact, just to jump into this and share with you um, would help if I turned the clicker on. Um, we've been asking... Uh, people to pray for us, and he's just been doing some amazing things. Uh, We thank you because you're a big part of that. Uh, As God has been using us all over western New York and northwest PA, um, that's that's to your credit because you guys are keeping us going, and it it really is. Uh, We thank our friends at, at Alfred Allman. The secretaries up at Word of Life are the ones that open the mail and get the new club registrations. And, and so every time they open one, and then it's another one of ours, something like this happens because they told me, they say, look at this, it's another one from Western New York or Northwest PA. What in the world is happening out there in Western New York? And they call us and usually, or email and say, hey, another club registration come in. What are you guys doing? Last year in the student ministries, uh, we had uh, 18. This year, we have 25. Now, in a, in a normal year, if we start six or seven new clubs, that's, that's about a normal year because we go and do, we usually do three training sessions. We did have to back it down to two this year because we just couldn't even possibly get to everybody. But like seven new clubs, you, you normally do three training sessions. So that's like 21 times that we're out in, in one month to get them started normally. And so every night in September, the uh, end of August, September, every night we have open, we book somewhere to go do another training session. Now that's if we have seven to ten new clubs. We have only, I think, twice in our ministry had... 10 new clubs, and 10 new clubs is 30 meetings. So in a month's time, you do the math. Uh, We usually have to do a couple on Saturday, uh, maybe Sunday afternoon. I mean, literally every space on our calendar we book. If we have as many as 10, we've only done that twice in the last 30 years. Um, This year, we have uh, 25 student ministries, 21 Olympians ministries last year, 12, and 11 gopher buddies this year. So it just, one, your brother didn't say this, uh, brother in Christ didn't say this wrong on purpose. One just came in this week. So we are now at 29 new clubs this year. And it is absolutely insane. I, uh, the most in the nation, new clubs, and it's in western New York. That is like, bizarre and that's why when they open one up they're like what you know that's usually down south that they might have 15 new clubs uh, but 29 here and so consider this at an average of five leaders per club with 57 clubs we have just leaders alone 285 leaders this year I have had to learn a lot of names and so if I look at um, our brother over here, and I call you Sally. It's, it's not my fault. I, I just, I have heard so many names. I'm calling everybody by the wrong one now. 
And uh, so I just call everyone Sam, you know, and, and know that I won't get it. But 285 leaders, an average of 15 youth per club, close to 855 young people that we in some way minister to. Um, and that's about 1,140 people. And so God has really given us uh, a huge task. I, one of our songs is about how overwhelming it is sometimes. Well, that's like about every day of our life this last year. And so continue to pray for us. In fact, I'm going to throw some prayer requests in here, about five or six. I'm just kind of, one of the things you can pray for is for God to prepare our heart every day. Um, because we believe that it's our responsibility as we work with all these new clubs to give them advice, uh, to coach them, to encourage them. Probably one of the biggest things my wife and I do is we go back, we visit every club every year. And so this year, that's about 57 club visits. And we try to go to the new ones twice. And so 29 clubs we try to go to twice. Um, and so it's like 60 or 70 club visits we're trying to do this year. Um, so it's a good thing they're not all on Wednesday night. They're kind of all spread out. We've already done, I think it's maybe 50. So we're on track. I think we're going to make it. If they go till August, we'll be good. <laughs> uh, I think in the next month we will be able to get to the rest of them. But in order for us to be out front, to be leaders, we have to be growing. We need wisdom. Uh, there's hardly a club visit we make that a leader doesn't ask us, boy, what would you do in this case, in this situation? And we have to know what to say. And so and you never know what you're going to be asked. So it just means we need a heart that's prepared. And so that's one of the biggest prayer requests I have. Sometimes it's a parent that is really struggling over one of their kids. And, and I need a word from God. I just I need to be in my quiet time every day. I just need a heart that's prepared because I don't know what the need will be, as, as opposed if you're in, in a church as a pastor, you kind of know what your people are struggling with because you should know the state of your flocks. And I feel that responsibility with all of our clubs, so that's a huge request. Well, what's happening regarding preaching? One of the things that's changed is uh, because we have so many churches we work very closely with, many of them churches that only have a pastor, uh, a single pastor staff, and so we've been doing a lot of pulpit supply for churches that don't have pastors or for some of our churches are really small and the pastor is so tired. And I, I kid you not, I've had several churches ask me, would you just like kind of be our assistant once every quarter? And I, and I of course, would love to do that. I'd love to come in. I, I can prepare one message and, and use it 10 times. And so I said, I can do that without it burning me out because I can prepare a message really good and I can use it. Um, for several churches. And so I can give a pastor a break. And in some of our churches, even they just want to take a vacation once in a while. And so they'll call me and say, and, and believe it or not, this is incredible. I will get, I will have six Sundays open in the next couple months, and almost every one of them will get booked. And the pastors aren't looking for the same Sunday. I don't know how that happens. It's like, it's like God is orchestrating my calendar. It's unbelievable. I can have one or two Sundays open, and by those Sundays, they usually someone will call, and that's the Sunday they need. And it's like, I can do that. It's open. I, I don't know how to explain that, but God is just doing something amazing, and we'll be their shepherd for a day. And uh, churches with single-member staff, we've been able to 
give them just a needed break. And that has been so much fun, just sharing the word. Um, as far as evangelism, in fact, I have a church right now that asked, would you come in and help train our people to do evangelism? And I, I said, I would love to do that. And so we're doing that in a short time coming up here uh, with tools that, that we have, not only with Word of Life, but other ministries that we've partnered with because they're so good with that aspect. And so the second prayer request is that, that God would help us to stay focused on the two things that matter the most, and that is the Word of God and the souls of men. We can become so distracted. I mean, pastors and people can be so distracted and and fill our lives with so many good things that we forget about the most important thing is the word of God and the souls of men. I heard that when I was first introduced to Word of Life 30 years ago, how they were so concerned about the Word of God and the souls of men. I can tell you on this end of it, after being with Word of Life for 30 years and having a club six years before that, that they really are, really are focused on the Word of God and the souls of men like, like no other ministry I've ever seen. They really, they don't just talk about those things. They, they really care. And that's become pretty special to us. Well, what in the world is happening uh, in Western New York in regard to curriculum? Um, the student ministry, uh, churches that have chosen. In fact, it seems like every, almost, almost every pastor I've talked to has been interested somehow in the curriculum. Word of Life has been doing a really, really good job. Uh, and oftentimes I'll talk with youth pastors who, who actually do a pretty good job at writing their own material. That act- I've seen some stuff that is actually really good. But oftentimes youth pastors want to train others to work with youth and and train them how to teach. And so you can write your own messages and your own lessons, but oftentimes when you're trying to train others, it's like you you want to give them something that you can really count on as being really good and, and sit down and walk. It's hard to write your lesson for someone else to teach. And so it has become really good curriculum, I think, for even youth pastors who, who just want to take a break once in a while or train a couple other teachers to split the ministry with them. And so I've recommended it for that. Even if you want to write, you can still write some of your own lessons, but it's really good for training someone else. So it's very flexible, very relevant. The Olympians curriculum goes through both Old Testament and New Testament. So it's Old Testament, New Testament survey. There's a character study every year, a missions emphasis every year. And it uh, has three or four lessons this year, every year on serving, uh, because that's very important. And it's better to teach children how to do that as they grow up. Hopefully they won't become uh, too much like us adults where we're really guarding our time often. Go for buddies, have lessons on Bible, uh, God, Jesus, the church, growth, sin, character traits as well, several modules, and themed lessons also because the children really like that. And so the curriculum has been amazing. A third prayer request would be this. Please pray that every time we meet with a pastor which I do quite a lot of, is that that we will have the words to say and that even our presentation would be God-honoring and it it would lift up Christ. Um, Oftentimes we get done with a presentation, I'll have a pastor say something like, well, that was was like really refreshing. Uh, 
I've, you've challenged my thinking in several ways. Even if we don't start a club, there's some things I would like to do that just you covered in your presentation. And, and so that's my prayer request, is that every presentation would be clear, would be concise, and would be convicting. Because youth do matter. They matter a lot. What's happening in Word of Life and, uh, and in Western New York? As far as events, I've got some really good uh, things to share with you. We do a number of events. Reverb is our, our biggest one, but we have a battle zone September 21th. It's quickly becoming many of the, the students' favorite. It's a kickoff. It's in September before school starts. Um, we have creative competition, a lot of fun that we do with the kids. They compete against groups. Uh, we'll put several groups together and, and make several teams. Revive Band will be there again this year, and then we'll, uh, our power sessions this year are going to be being on fire for God. So I think it's going to be another great battle zone. We're looking forward to that. A little, little smaller than our all-night event, but that's coming up. Reverb, uh, November 8th will be our all-night event, event this year. Uh, we did some amazing things, had the biggest attendance that we've ever had in Rochester. Uh, went very, very well. Added some new facilities. We added... Um, a place called uh, Altitude Trampoline, and, uh, and, and that made us just a little bit nervous because putting one person on a trampoline could usually mean, in fact, the, the guy that owns it said to us, you realize at three in the morning, you're probably going to have some injuries. And I said, I know, we do every year <laughs> in one of, the, one of the places. And he says, well, trampoline, he says, let me tell you what happens with trampoline at midnight. Um, the kids usually have lots of energy, so they jump all over the place. And he says at 3 in the morning, they think they can still do that, but um, so you get, you know, sprained ankles and this and that. And I said, yep, I'm, I've already thought through that, but I said we need to add it because uh, we need another facility. And it'll be great in our promo. It'll, it'll draw students. And he says, okay, as long as you're prepared. I said, I'm prepared, but obviously we're going to pray that God helps with that. Well, guess what? We did have a couple of, of uh, hurt. Um, I, the one really wasn't an injury. It, she thought it was, but she was okay. And, uh, and it wasn't at 3 in the morning. It was at the midnight. So we should have been praying for the midnight session. <laughs> we, you know, it took his advice. We prayed at 3 o'clock, and really hardly anybody got hurt. He couldn't believe it. He wants us back next year. And, but we're going to start praying at midnight <laughs> for the trampoline place. Because that's when the hurts happen. Um, so, and we saw 178 students come forward. I'm sorry, over 200 came forward. But we don't push them for a decision. We want to make sure God is speaking into their life. So over 200 students came forward, but 178 placed their faith in Christ. And that was a really, really exciting night. Uh, one of the best reverbs we've ever had in Rochester. So a lot of fun uh, seeing students uh, being dealt with by their youth pastors and youth leaders. And uh, it was pretty awesome at, at that point. We also had enough to put them on both sides of the arena, which was really amazing. Uh, we couldn't fit on the one side from corner to corner. So I was in a church not too long ago up in Geneva speaking. And one of the junior high, just a young girl came up to me. And she says, you know what, Mr. Whitney, you know what I loved about the reverb? And I figured she was going to say the trampoline or, or something. She says, you know, you know what was the best part? She said, sitting in the auditorium 
and watching this, she was a pastor's daughter, and she said, watching the students respond to the gospel on the opposite side of the arena, she says, we've never seen that, like, like watched it on the other side. I almost said, you were peeking when we were praying, but I didn't. And uh, she said, that was the best part. She said, watching all those students go up to go out to be counseled. And I never thought of that. I mean, that's from a student's perspective. I thought that was really exciting. That was really neat. Like I say, God is doing some amazing things. So, so that night, after midnight, you could go to Total Sports Experience, which is a big gym. You could go for two hours of bowling. Of course, at 3 o'clock, you switch places with, with someone else. And, um, and so there's the Clubhouse Fun Center we added this year. We have done it before, but arcade and putt-putt golf and believe it or not, the go-karts and all that. You wonder, could you go the first weekend in November putt-putting? And, and absolutely, in the middle of the night. Um, it has worked out every time we've been there that the weather has been good and it hasn't snowed. Otherwise, you can't do the putt-putt and you can't do the golf carts, only the arcade. We have hit it every year just right. I don't know how that's happened, but it has. Um, and we were back there this year and then altitude trampoline. When we pulled up at like 2 in the morning, all we could see is heads going up and down. There were 400 students and leaders inside this building jumping and uh, it was pretty good. Children's um, country carnivals, like a family fun day that we do. Um, we like to do a couple of these every year, and it's just to share the gospel, but it's an event for children. If Alfred Allman ever wants to do one of those, um, we would be glad to come and do it. Uh, Slopsicle, of course, is June 1st. That's at Genesee Country Church. That's coming up. It's just a very messy obstacle course. The whole purpose, again, is to share the gospel. And so on this particular event, what we do is instead of doing the message in the middle, you know, of the event, we do it first. The students all come, we gather in a gym, and we share the gospel, give an invitation, because after that, they can't come back in the church. (laughs) They go outside, (laughs) they get so muddy that I've told the church, listen, we'll do the message first, We'll, we'll get them all clean first, and then we'll take them out and get them dirty. And so they can only come in and use the bathrooms after that. That's all tarped down because they are a mess, and the students love it. So that's coming up uh, real soon. Genesee Country Church does two events. We do Slopstickle there in Battle Zone. Slopstickle is in June. Battle Zone is in September. Slopstickle, they run, and I help them. Uh, battle zone, I run, and they help me. So we kind of trade off with that. I think it's a good deal. They, they do the messy one, and I help them with that. And, uh, and Fast Car is another event that we do, and uh, they're a lot of fun, again, just to, to share the gospel. So that's what's going on with events. Uh, pray that God will continue to give us really creative ideas that draw students. And every year, every year, every year we need volunteers. We need a lot of help. Uh, Chris and Karen Blades, you recognize that name? They're just enjoying some really wonderful weather right now, I think. And, uh, but they actually flew back to help us last year. Uh, talk about dedication. They just amazed me. And uh, every year I need new volunteers because some of them get old. Well, not the Blades. They're, just, they're going strong. They're just, they got 30 years left. They can't quit till I do. So... But some of we do lose some every year, and uh, so we do need new volunteers every year. How, Jamie, how many did we have help us with Reverb? 160 volunteers. They didn't all stay up overnight, but a lot of them do. 
Uh, some just help us with registration and some very important things as the night gets started. But 160 volunteers. I, I don't know how we get them all. God is so good. And, uh, but we need new ones every year. So if you want to run that trampoline place on one night, you just let me know. I, I know where I can put you. And uh, God has given us some wonderful partners. Well, regarding family, you, don't, you always have time for this, but let me just share a few thoughts. Um, God has blessed us so much and has answered so many prayers. Um, ben is our oldest. Ben and Keisha, Joshua, and Rebecca live in uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina. Um, ben works for senior living communities. He told me, Dad, I work with old people. You work with new young people. <laughs> so, well, it's all important, isn't it? <laughs> so, and he, he just loves his job, interviews people, and makes videos uh, to um, tell their story so that they'll draw more people. He, he really loves it. Keisha teaches. Um, Joshua is 12, Rebecca is 10. I can't believe we got grandchildren that old. It's a good thing we started when we were five. And uh, Rachel is our uh, daughter in Ohio. Rachel and Nate, Layla and Reagan. Rachel works at Target, Nate works at Spectrum. Um, continue to pray for them. They, we have two of the most precious grandchildren right there in Ohio. They are so sweet. Uh, this picture of Layla, she's the older of the two. That's the best they could get from her. She, this is just one of those days she wouldn't smile, and so she uh, made all kinds of faces. Uh, they showed us a couple of them. This is the best one we could get. She is so much fun, just just a joy. And uh, this is Michael Christie and Alana and, and Baby. Christie is uh, due in July uh, with a, another grandchild of ours. Michael's a youth pastor at Plymouth Park Baptist. They're doing really, really good. Uh, Michael is just an amazing young man, one of the most mature um, youth pastors I have ever met. has so much convictions and principles, and we just love to talk. God is doing some amazing things in his life. Um, Pray for them. They're possibly considering a position change. And I can't say a whole lot about it, but uh, just just pray for them. They're making some really important decisions right now. And I'm not sure where that will lead them, but he is just has done a great work. Works with over 100 students every week. And uh, God is doing some amazing things there in Texas. And Alana is like the most dramatic little girl you, you have ever met. You put her at the top of the list. Neither Michael or Christy are like that. They are so calm and, and conservative, and she is just the scream. I mean, we have so much fun with her. If I can, don't, don't tell them I did this. I'm just going to show you a picture. Now, prepare yourself. There was nothing wrong with Alana. She, she can turn it on and turn it off on a dime. And so this is the picture when they... <laughs> Went to take it in this tulip field. She just all of a sudden went, you know, and that's right when they snapped it. And one second later, she looked like this. <laughs> and uh, just, just hilarious. I, Michael just shakes his head. He says, I just, I have two girls, my wife and this girl. And I, you know, I just, all's good. Just good. And so... Pray for us. Another prayer request is that we would have an impact on our grandchildren and our kids, that we would continue to. 
to have depth, uh, to have an impact, to be an influence. Uh, God has given us some wonderful kids and some wonderful grandchildren that we would act on Christ's behalf and the things that we uh, have to share with them. I'm going to go through this quickly, and then I want to share a few more verses just to read from you from First and Second Timothy. So far as finances, we, we have an absolutely amazing support team. And it uh, comes from individuals, comes from churches, uh, comes from friends and family. Our individual support base is, is really, really good. It's absolutely incredible. Um, our church support, we do need to pray for, uh, praying that God would, out of all these, like these 15 new churches, we're traveling to them, doing a lot of training, uh, visiting their clubs. Usually a new church doesn't pick up your support for several years. I'm just sharing some inside stuff with you. And so, in fact, out of the 15 churches, we've gotten support from two of them, but that's pretty normal. It's usually just one or two start right away. So it's a lot of travel, a lot of ministry, a lot of expense that has to come from somewhere um, that probably won't come from those churches right away. So pray for that because we're not toning anything down. We are going full steam ahead. Uh, and hopefully our support will keep up with that. So that's a prayer request. We left our family business 36 years ago. I was making mattresses and box springs when the first church called us and asked if we would be their youth pastor. And I loved what I did. It was a family business. But when we, when we uh, walked away from that, it's like we didn't leave anything. God has done so much. And one of the things that Jamie and I have noticed is a lot of our support comes from businessmen. I think we probably just connect because that was our background and a lot of it. In fact, if it wasn't for some of these businessmen, Jamie and I would both be working a full-time job. There's no way we could keep up with it. So we really uh, have just so much gratitude for churches and individuals and businessmen that have allowed us to go out and just do the work full-time. What an answer to prayer. So pray for miracles in that regard. We have always desired to be known more as givers and not takers. And I, I say that, that's something we ask God every month to just just help us remember that. Because as missionaries, and I, I've had churches tell me that when we have a missionary speaker, sometimes we feel like like they're there with their hand out, like, like they want and they ask and they want and they ask. And I've, I've said to pastors, well, first of all, um, I, that's not good. I mean... Jamie and I just don't want to be seen that way. We want to be givers. We want to be seen as giving more than taking. But I have told some churches, some pastors, said, but you've got to understand this too. If I was called to Africa or everywhere, anywhere I was called to, the only way I can go do what God has called me to do is to be able to have the funds to do it. I don't like to ask. I, I really don't. I would much rather just be out busy in the work. But I, I talked with one guy who went to South Africa, and there's no doubt that God had given him a burden that just couldn't be quenched. And, and I heard him do a presentation. He said, if I just don't get back to South Africa, I will die. He says, they, you know, God has given me the ability to work there. And after I heard his presentation, I wanted to go with him. He just had so much passion. And I, I thought, but, but you, you can't do it without the backing, and so that's important. Um, So, um, can I just share a few more verses with you, and then we'll quit. 
In this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 4, we'll kind of start there. And then I just, I basically just want to read some verses and then we'll be done. He told Timothy not to, to neglect the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. He said, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, what it is that Timothy needs to accomplish is the end of that, that that that'll save you and that'll save others. That is exactly what people need. But notice in the beginning of the verse what he says. He This is so important, no matter what ministry you're in, no matter what God has called you to do. Paul says to Timothy is that, take heed unto thyself. Watch your life. Make sure your life is like, when when Paul said to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Watch your life. Because if your life isn't right, it doesn't matter what you teach. It doesn't matter what you preach. Now, don't take that out of context. It matters what you teach and what you preach. But not if your life is a mess. All that does is turn people off. And all that does is make students rebel. And I, and I just this last week, I heard a student say, I just, when I'm on my own, I'm probably not going to go to church when I'm not made to. And that just broke my heart. And they said, I'm just so tired of the hypocrisy. I didn't have the time to figure out whether that was true or not, but it's true in a lot of cases. People are so tired of what they see. What they hear just makes them more and more angry. And Paul made it very clear to them. He he said, watch your life. Make sure your life measures up. And then he says, and unto the doctrine, watch the doctrine, watch what you teach. Paul Bubar, a long time ago, said something to us. I'll never forget it. I had just come on staff with Word of Life. And he says, you have to study the culture. You've got to understand what clicks with young people and what they like and what they don't like. You've got to study the culture. And he says, you've got to study the Word of God. It doesn't change. Truth doesn't change. He says, you've got to know the culture, you've got to study the word of God, and you need to marry those two things so that the message is powerful. And you you lose it on one end, you're done anyway, but you lose it on the other end, and nobody wants to hear the message. And that's so important. In fact, let me just share these verses with you. I love this. Several things that Paul said to Timothy about life in general. He said in 1 Timothy 3.15, if you just want to write the passages down, I'm just going to go through them quickly. He said, but if I tarry long, you, um, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Now understand, this is in King James. Uh, It's just what I copied from my Bible over to the PowerPoint. But he he just says to Timothy, you need to behave yourself when you're in the house of God which is the church of the living God and the pillar and ground of truth. Timothy, just behave yourself. Know how you ought to act. And then in 1 Timothy 4.12, we've already shared this verse, but let no man despise a youth, but be thou an example of the believers. In 2 Timothy 3.14 and 15, he says, but continue now that that is the chapter, if I can just say this, a little prior to that, Timothy said, or Paul said to Timothy, 
that evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse. It's going to get worse. I think if I were Timothy, I would just say, stop. It's bad now. How, what do you mean it's going to get worse? You want me to follow in your footsteps, and you're telling me it's going to get worse. Worse than what you're dealing with? Seriously? And you want me to do this? I mean, I can just hear this conversation, this logic. And Paul says, it's, it's going to get worse. You've known, my, you've known my manner of life, my suffering, my persecutions. All of, Timothy, you've seen that. You know that. And it's going to get worse. But I love what Paul says. He says, but. I just love the buts in Scripture. But. It would be hopeless except, but continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and been assured of. You know what the answer is, folks? You, we live in a cesspool out there. This is the answer. It's the book. It's God's holy word. It does not change. It doesn't water it down. This is the book. You know what always matters when life gets rough? What's true? What's really true? It's what's here. I love this book. And it, it is my hope. It is my encouragement. It's what we sing about, our, what we're learning, and what we know about God. He says, continue down the things that you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Who do we have to thank for Timothy's upbringing? I think Paul's one of them, but who were the other? Mother and his grandmother. And I think we're godly women, godly women. We don't know a lot about Timothy's dad. But his mother and his grandmother, I want to shake their hands someday and say thank you for investing in Timothy, that from a child you taught him the holy scriptures. Now, I think Paul was involved. Paul was there somehow. In fact, I'll tell you what I think. In fact, let me go a few more verses. In 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21, he says to Timothy this, Listen, Timothy, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but of... of um, of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Because in a, in a great house, you have vessels were used for everything. They were used to hold water. They were used to carry water. Uh, some vessels were used from some very dishonorable things that I really don't even want to talk about here in church. But there are things such as like bedpans. There, there were things that were, a vessel was used for kind of like, like I say, stuff we wouldn't even want to talk about. And Paul's trying to help Timothy to be the kind of vessel that is under honor, that is the kind of stuff we like to talk about. In fact, some vessels, some churches, I, I, I almost was going to look in the foyer to see if you had something. Some vessels are, were absolutely beautiful, but you couldn't carry water in them anymore because you know what happens? Sometimes they get old, they, they crack, or maybe it gets dropped, and so the vessel... But it's beautiful. You didn't have a lot, so you didn't throw it out just because it was cracked. In fact, what you would do, you'd maybe put a shelf over here, and you'd, you'd put it up there on the shelf to, to, to be admired. But, but you wouldn't show the crack, would you? you? You would turn that around, and you would place it so it was beautiful. But, you, man, if you carried water, it, it would be a disgrace. It would be very humiliating. And sometimes things happen in people's lives. Because of a crack, a flaw, a blemish, character that has been compromised. And so 
Sometimes you can't even carry out really the same purpose, but you can't be placed on a shelf. Paul spoke of that too, that he would never be placed on a shelf. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he'll be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, which means set apart, and meet for the master's use, Alpha Kappa Chi. Meet for sufficient for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Usually everywhere I go to share, to open the word, you know what my prayer is often when I'm getting ready is that God help me to be a clean vessel and ready to be used by you. And then, of course, he said in 2 Timothy 1.13, Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which in Christ Jesus. Because Paul says, very important, Timothy, that your life is right and your message has to be right. So hold fast the form of sound words. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Timothy, you study, you study, you study. Make sure you get it right. And then this is probably what we'll close with here. He says in chapter 3, in verse 10 and 11, same chapter, but a little earlier, he says, Timothy, you have fully known my doctrine. Now notice, he gives you a whole list of things. Notice the first two. You've known my doctrine, and you've known my manner of life. Same thing he said when he said, take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. You've known my doctrine, you've known my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, the persecutions, the afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra. Isn't it interesting? He says to Timothy, you've seen all these things. And I think Timothy saw them up close. I really do. Do you remember when Paul was stoned at Lystra? Now, we, we don't know this for sure. We know he was stoned at Lystra. Do you know what Lystra... You know who lived in Lystra? Timothy and his mother and his grandmother. You know what I think? I don't know this. I just wonder if maybe Timothy's mother and grandmother helped bring Paul back to health. Just maybe. I do know this. Paul says, you've seen all of this. You've seen it all. You know what manner of man God is brought me to be and he says I endured but out of them all the Lord delivered me I have I just think that Timothy probably saw much closer than we realize and um, and then he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 preach the word be instant in season and out of season reprove rebuke exhort with all long suffering because the day is going to come when people won't endure sound doctrine anymore they're going to surround themselves with just fancy teaching that tickles the ears And he says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou, watch it, watch thou at all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Timothy, make full proof of your ministry. Do you see the the life and the message? They, They both matter. And we'll end right there. He says, watch your life, watch it, watch your life. Watch the doctrine, the message, watch it closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, if you do, if you'll do this, you will save yourself and those that hear you. There's so many that need what we have, but we've got to watch our life. We've got to watch our message. Let's pray.
Father, you're such an amazing God. We don't deserve any of that which you've given us, but you've been so good to us, and we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.